Blog Talk Radio. Dr. Karen Can Radio Show. The intention of this show is to empower and inspire you to manifest the life of your dreams, whether it's radiant health, prosperity, loving relationships, or simply peace of mind. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm your host, Dr. Karen Can, author of the number one bestseller, Guide to Healing Chronic Pain, A Holistic Approach. And if you don't have a copy of my book, you can get the first six chapters free as a download on my website, www.karencan.com and that comes with five free online classes, wellness classes so uh, go and uh, sign up even if you do have my book. Now today we are going to be talking about a special energy healing machine called the Photon Genie. Sounds pretty new age stuff but it's been around for quite a while actually and I'll be discussing this uh, really interesting device with uh, my colleague Dr. Stephen Davis who's been on my show several times and we love having him on the show because you know I learned so much from him and this is a great way for me to get a free consult ha 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 <laughs> so although Dr. Davis is great in, in, in helping me and anytime I ask him so he's very generous and I really appreciate his expertise now he's been in healthcare uh, for uh, quite a while and he's a renowned alternative physician and he was doing you know holistic alternative medicine long before the rest of us, long before the rest of us, um, and uh, very familiar with energy medicine. And in fact, he works with one of the leaders in quantum physics and research in the world, and together they've created some wonderful subtle energy remedies that he, he, that really help even the most down-and-out type of patients to heal. These are some of the patients that, that I have as well, and I um, have had some great success um, using their remedies. Uh, but today we're going to talk about a device that um, Dr. Davis has had some experience with, this Photon Genie, and we're going to figure out, uh, you know, by asking him, you know, what is, how does some machine help people heal? You know, what is it about this energy medicine machine that helps people heal? And have there been other machines on the market? And what's happened to them? And how come people don't know about this stuff? Uh, why is this machine so popular with people with cancer, with uh, chronic debilitating illnesses like fibromyalgia, Lyme disease, the the folks that don't heal very quickly, uh, why why is it recommended by Dr. Davis and other healthcare practitioners for them to get this machine or use this machine on themselves? And, uh, you know, I, I don't know. Is there any scientific evidence that this stuff actually works or is it, you know, just a figment of our imagination that something in a machine could actually help our bodies heal? So, uh, Dr. Davis, Dr. D., thanks for being on the show again. Well, thank you, Dr. Carrot. It's always fun, and I always enjoy these opportunities. And uh, so hopefully we'll have fun and stir up some thinking and raise some questions and hope uh, folks will run off to the Internet to go get more information because uh, thank God we have the Internet because, as I was sharing earlier before we came on the, the show, is that before the Internet, all of this information that's been going on for about 75 years has been hidden, buried, and kind of in quiet places. And so now most of this information can be accessed if you kind of know where to go, um, and in that uh, can give you some insights and also answer some of these very difficult questions. But at the end of the day, 
when we go to Dr. Otto Warburg, he was a gentleman given a Nobel Prize for understanding cancer. He said he did a couple of very interesting and remarkable things. One was is that we truly are an energy being. Okay, There are many traditions and cultures around the planet, and I don't want to offend anybody. I've just been curious. But the point being is, is that some folks believe that we're spirit beings that are taking on a human experience. There's a flip side. There are humans that are trying to figure out if there is such a thing as a spiritual experience. So the drama is is that the humans have been locked into the mechanistic thinking, kind of like if I can't measure it, it's like the Thomas uh, of the Bible, if you will, one of Jesus' disciples, is that when they said Jesus raised from the dead, we're getting ready to move into the holiday season, is that Thomas goes, well, if I can't put my fingers in his holes, I'm not believing well, that seems to be the humanist perspective or the human perspective on this thing called energy. Well, if we all just take a deep breath, back away from the, all the emotion that swirls, and just ask the million-dollar question, when something dies, such as a human, and they've eaten their uh, carbs and fats and oils, because I was taught in my very first class of biochemistry that the Krebs cycle and the ATP molecule was the driver of life and the energy of life, and all we need is lots of ATP. Well, I was sitting in class the very first time that I heard all this, and my head goes off when it, something doesn't resonate. There's something inside me that goes, what? Because three ATPs running through the Krebs cycle creates 32 ATPs. It's the only thing in, in the universe, if you will, that we take something and we can make more of something out of something without losing something. So I'm going, okay, if this is true, we have 100 trillion cells in the body, and if every cell in the requirement for ATP production in the cell, according to that theory, is sugar, oxygen, and uh, phosphorus, well, you can get that from your cappuccino. So my mm -hmm. question was, why is everybody in class groping for energy? Why can't they keep their head up and pay attention to the prof? So when I raised my hand and said, that doesn't make any sense, because everybody in this room's tired, and they all had lunch, and they're all slamming down their, their coffees. Well, he didn't answer me. And the next 12, <laughs> times, I was, <laughs> the next 12 <laughs> times I was taught this, I asked the same question, and nobody answered it. And then I come across a scientist that's in the physics department who was in this new world of study. University of Maryland, I believe, was my class. And in this new world of study, which was bioenergetics, looking at the energy phenomena of the body as it relates to, and there was questions at that time, is that does the body make photons of light? Does it have uh, semiconduction capability like a computer, and we know that through the mixture of ionic exchange of our elements and the and the loss and adding of electrons, we're going to get an ionic exchange and create some energy, so therefore we're like a high-techy battery. Because in our car batteries, what you have is, is sulfuric acid coupled with lead. You shake it up, you've got 12 volts of energy, you can start your truck. So it doesn't require ATP. So the question that I always had, because I had this kind of ongoing fascination, watching animals when I, in my youth, is that what's the mechanism of them giving up their ghost and leaving? 
and it has to do with their loss of energy. So when you're watching a cancer patient die, or you're watching somebody with pneumonia die, and you've had that experience, or you've held a loved one and you watch them die, you watch their energy leave, and you go, what's going on? So that's been one of my elementary questions. Why is mm-hmm. it that everybody is so tired? Why is it they have no energy? And yet if the key in biochemistry is ATP, and we know that ATP is only oxygen, sugar, and uh, uh, the phosphate, uh, a phosphorus, because phosphorus is unstable metal. I remember in high school pulling the lid off the phosphorus bottle, and it starts sparkling. So it's like, oh, cool. You know, we uh, they, they took it out of chemistry labs. I think after my my you know I graduated what in seventy sixty nine seventy somewhere in that neighborhood. So what happened is is that you know we blew up all kinds of stuff with phosphorus because that's what ignites things. So you go okay cool I understand right. that. Now when we come to the human body, we go okay uh, you can get your phosphorus from your red meats and your coffees and colas and everybody's tired. So it's like that riddle's not working. Well what happens when people are tired and you have a hundred trillion cells? I'm trying to get my web guy to design this, and that is, you know, the points of light that President Bush used to talk about back in the day, you know, Grandpa Bush, you know, 1,000 points of light. Why, you know, if you had 100 trillion points of light and every light bulb was on, uh, we could beam up and disappear. Mm. So the real question I've had all these years is that what is it? And then the other question is, is that all of us have had those cars and trucks that have had tired batteries, and we had to get a jumper cable out and jump it because we left the dome light on. And so for me, visually, the dome light that's on in everybody is stress. Those things that won't allow you to sleep at night. Those things that got you turning, tossing, and turning in bed because you either got your finances are upside down, your relationships are upside down, you're not sure what's next tomorrow, those kinds of things. You don't know what the lab test is going to show. And all those kinds of worries that we have to keep you up, that's your dome light. And if your dome light is on too long, guess what? You don't get up in the morning. Or you may, but you just drag around and go, I don't have any energy, and you're groping around for energy. So all you need then, theoretically, from biochemistry is a little more ATP. Well, I've had all kinds of exercise physiologists try to dance around that, and the fun part is they can't answer that question. Why are all those people that come to the gym so tired? So in that is that years ago I began kind of looking, is that do we really need this thing called energy, and where do we get it? And so I started looking at other Traditions and what I found was, as Native Indians, when they're all pooped out and tired, they used to just lay in the dirt. It's now been romantically called grounding, but they would lay in the dirt and accept the energy from the earth, and then they'd strip down naked and they'd receive the sun. And then what they would do is they would do it in the morning as the sun came up to about what they would call high noon, and then what would happen is then the sun would set. Uh, from 3 to 5 in the afternoon until the sun went down, and those were referred to as healing rays. And you go, huh. cool. So if they're healing rays, there's people that's restored their energy, their vitality, and then what happens is that folks, uh, as they become more romantic, like in, in Egypt, they would hold stones and rocks and gems while they're laying in the dirt. And I was like, huh. So I'm talking to Yuri, physicist. And he just laughs. He goes, those are just real crude antennas to the cosmic energy. Kind of like acupuncture. <laughs> so I had an exercise, I had a neurophysiologist in chiropractic who was a uh, eighth generation traditional Chinese acupuncturist who got his PhD work at University of South Carolina that proved what acupuncture does by gathering up cosmic energy like little antennas. 
And that's what he tried to tell us, is that when you have an energy field set down, you've got to raise the energy. body can't do it. It's blocked by some way, by stagnation of energy. And if we put the needles in in the appropriate place along the meridian signals within the right uh, point, what happens is that's like little antennas. Like he, he told us it was real cute in his language. Kind of like back in the days with TVs with antennas, and you put aluminum foil on it, and then what happened? You get a better reception. So what he ah. was putting in, what he's doing is putting in little microscopic needles for the purpose of getting better reception of cosmic energy. And then he said, and then we have actually discovered with a 9-volt battery, you can put alligator clips to this thing and jump the whole thing very quickly. And it's like, okay, it's all energy. It's like it's energy from the cosmos. So then I started getting involved in curling photography, and what I found was is that when a plant starts to die, uh, it loses its energy. And then what happens is that uh, all, all things would lose energy. And then Dr. Um, Gerson, in his work in his 1956 book, yakking about his success in cancer, at the very end of the book, in the addendum, he says it has nothing to do with the nutrition. And I said, what? He says it has everything to do with energy that that Einstein guy is talking about. And I said, okay, we're back to cosmic energy. How do we tap it? How do we get it? Where do we go? And those things. He developed a food meter, and he would not buy the food if it didn't register some type of voltage. Because when he was asked, why is it you're so successful, and yet hundreds of clinics and hundreds of doctors around the world have adopted your theory, and your juicing phenomena, stimulating the liver by detoxing, by enemas and coffee enemas, and those kinds of things, and supplementing heavily, and you talk about ten times the energy of the food or ten times the volume of food to get the energy to overcome a terrible disease, a catastrophic disease, and he says it doesn't work if there's no energy in it. And you go, okay, so where do I get the energy? Where do we get this energy? Well, the beauty is is that within the traditions around the world is that we've had shamans who have had special gifts that they can transfer their energy to somebody else. We've had chi masters that have had the ability to transfer their energy to somebody else. And so years ago, they began measuring those folks with very, very sophisticated, low-level uh, computer uh, behaviors and trying to pick up energy. And they got a lot of static from them. And it wasn't until we got into the microchip and the real high-techy computer stuff that we're into in the 80s that we're actually able to pick up some things. So Valerie Hunt who was a physical therapist at UCLA who went with President Nixon and Dr. Richardson and Dr. Livingston and a couple other guys, and they went to uh, China when we had the big opening of China. They went into the operating room, and they saw um, giant uh, big-time open-cavity surgeries done with no anesthesiologists. Matter of fact, um, uh, Valerie looked around, and she said, uh, where's the anesthesiologist? <laughs> And they had an acupuncture that was minding the individual. And what was very interesting is they go, okay, there's something to this. So when they came home, they recruited several acupuncturists to come to them to UCLA. But she was more interested in the energy because they kept talking about cosmic energy and raising the vibration, those things, and she wanted more information. So in that is that she actually got her scientists at UCLA to get this static elect- uh, electrical markers and amplified them and began to see. And what she began to find and just recently discovered that there are healing resonant radio frequencies that turn on the healing components of our gene pool, which allows healing to happen and stem cells to get turned on. Okay, so that's my big introduction to energy. You know, I can go on with this further. But then what happened 
is I began in chiropractic college. I had a doc that had gone to jail a couple times. He had a house in Los Angeles, and in his garage he had every little old-fashioned gadget. He had Tesla coils. He had uh, Rife, uh, original Rife things, lightning bolt things. He had some um, Lukowski uh, coils and some magnet, um, post-magnet, magnet field things. So it was like going into Boris Koloff's den. I mean, it was just cool. Lots yeah. of gadgetry stuff, you know, and we'd flip on things, and we'd see lightning bolts run around the room and stuff, and it was kind of cool, and he had that, that creepy smile. And it was like, okay, I'm dealing with Boris Koloff. Boris <laughs> 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 Frankenstein. <laughs> but I began to become fascinated by, okay, he's into this. And I go, I go, why is this all here, and why don't we know anything about it? And he goes, oh, in 1923, the American Medical Association demonized energy medicine, and the definition of a quack was anybody that did energy medicine and magnotherapies. And he goes, in my group, my class, my colleagues got caught up in this energy stuff from Rife, and what happened was is that we got to go to jail for a while. So all this stuff is hidden. And I said, really? And I listened to him. And he talked about the being able, he says, it's just like Frankenstein. You really can raise the dead. I go, really? <laughs> and he goes, it's all energy. And I'm thinking, this guy's creepy, but he's saying some things that's resonating. I don't know what that means. So a few years later, I'm in a cancer clinic in Mexico. Not that I had cancer, but I'm down there. And then what's, what's there is the best of what we would call conventional organic uh, diet lifestyle cancer clinic similar to Gerson's, because it was a Gerson model. But then what we had was all this new high-tech electrical stuff. So in each room, little cubicles that they had separated, is that they had each of these different devices. We had Rife machine that was plasma generated. We had uh, um, Lukowski uh, coils. We had pulse electrical magnet uh, fields. We had laser technology and all these different things for the purpose of waking up the innate energies in the body so that the foods would be used. So here's kind of my illustration, and this is kind of gross, but if I take a dead, if I go down to the morgue and take a dead guy, and I put in the most organic superfoods in the world, it would just rot. Right. But if I put the most organic superfoods into somebody that's sick and has a little bit of energy, they may get a little more. But if I give it to a world-class athlete, he thinks he can fly. So the point is, mm-hmm. is that along our energy scale, in other words, as a human, it, you know, wish that, you know, we do have ways of measuring these things, but there is a way of coming up with an indirect measurement. There is ways of getting direct measurements. That's going to be done in the in the university. But you can actually put a voltage meter on somebody and get their voltage. And what's cool, as they get healthy, because everybody says, this is the, you know, the number one thing you see on commercials on infomercials, you drink this super juice, that was Jack Lane's thing. You drink this super juice and you put all these good quality organic foods in there, you'll get more energy. And yet everybody interprets that as being um, the biology. But if you put meters in it, what's interesting, going back to Gerson stuff, what you'll find is, is that more voltage is carried in them, the better it is. Well, the foods that carry the most photons of light are our greens. So when we look at Corellas, and chlorophyllins and those things, they're holding photons of light. Their nutrient value is very limited, but their energy value is spectacular. And the same thing is true when, you know, we've got old traditions of putting lemon, we have half a lemon and a little juice, drink that first thing in the morning, wake up your liver. No, 
it's actually ionic currents that surge and go to your liver and your kidneys. So you wake up your detox system very quickly by putting in what we would call you know, biological acid. But it's more than that. It's actually the actual ions that are... Ah, I was wondering about that. People said, you know, yeah. I, you, you said I should be less acidic and more alkaline, but why am I... Why am I drinking uh, an acidic drink first thing in the morning then? You know what I mean? I couldn't uh, explain how that occurred. That makes more sense to me now that there are these ionic currents. It's energy that's waking up the, the body, not the biochemistry. Right. You're flooding the body with ions. You're flooding the body with negative ions, and negative ions create this shift. You have too many positive ions. That's why you're acidic. So you flood the body with negative ions. You get this huge shift. You get energy from it. Okay. So when people go on the mountains and they hug trees and lay around on rocks, they feel better. When people go to the ocean, they're standing on the, the sand and they're watching the, the, the surf come at them and things are exciting and then they go, I just can't leave. It's too beautiful. It's just this. No, they're just loading up. The beauty is this, okay? The, the, the pulsing of the, the current, the ocean, hitting the sand. Sand is just nothing more than silicon chips, like your computer silicon chips. They magnify the energy and the vibration and the sound. So what happens is, is as the ocean is crashing onto the surf, it's releasing negative ions into the air that you breathe, and it's creating a 72-decibel vibration into the sand that's then magnifying, and then you then accept it because your body needs it to get vibrational medicine working in your body to raise your energy. And then the negative ions actually make you more alkaline. So what's interesting is people with all kinds of skin conditions just hanging out at the, uh, at the beach, they do better, and they think it has something to do with the water. Uh, it does a little bit because there's micronutrition in there, but it has to do with the vibrational energies of the earth crashing uh, or the, the, the surf crashing onto the earth, creating this vibrational healing energy harmonic, coupling that with the free electrons coming off the crashing as it opens up, and then what happens is that your healing body is awakened. And so when you hug trees, the same thing, your healing body. It's like, it's like Niagara Falls. Um, when we measure cubic measurements of negative ions at Niagara Falls, it's about a million negative hydrogens per cubic centimeter. If we go down to the uh, 405 freeway in Los Angeles at the height of rush hour, it's about 10 negative hydrogens per cubic centimeter. So the difference between what's on the freeway and what's at Niagara Falls is this huge saturation of negative ions. Well, at UCLA in a black box where we can control the energy of everything and put students in there, when we flooded it with negative hydrogens, they became giddy and romantic, and they thought that everything was wonderful. It's, it's like they got this natural high that we talk about. You drop it down to less than 100, and they feel like they're suffocating. They get uh, angry, emotional, uh, challenged, um, uh, start speaking in, in hateful words and things, like, get me out of this box kind of a thing. And it's only, the only wow. difference between uh, the first one and the second one was the saturation of negative ions. And so when you ask the million-dollar question, because there's many, many, many beautiful places on this planet, why is Niagara Falls the most romantic place in the world? Some of my scientists, Fred, said it's because the negative ions are so saturated there that anybody standing for any time gets all romantic. <laughs> and you go, huh, interesting spin. So science sometimes will wow, answer some of, these tools and some of these questions. Okay. Let's move into 1994. I met uh, Ed Skilling. Now, Ed Skilling was a rocket scientist. 
and he had several of his members that had died of cancer, so he had somewhat of romance and interest in some of this thing, and this stuff called energy medicine has been loosely in the underground because it's been de- demonized by medicine. 1953, they rounded up 60 chiropractors in Southern Cal and about a dozen medical doctors and put them on jail, made a real big deal of it, scared everybody to death, because they're doing energy medicine. That energy medicine, I don't know anything about it. It's scary. Um, so what happened is, is that in conventional medicine, they use energy medicine for diagnosis, and they use it in some limited ex- uh, areas of orthopedics and physical medicine. But in the world of healing somebody of a terrible disease, it doesn't play a picture. So in that, when people have terrible diseases, catastrophic illnesses, and they go to people looking for a a help, and that person offers them, we have a way of raising your energy and helping your body, that is met with some kind of, you got to be kidding, uh, you know, this is Star Wars, I don't know. So there's an awful lot of resistance because our culture is mindset is resistant to it because we've had a system resistant to it for a number of years. Well, we've had a breakthrough in the early 90s. Uh, Some things kind of happened in our culture. Uh, AMA did some things to try to shut down natural medicine once and for all, and they couldn't do it. They tried to put uh, Jonathan right away, couldn't do it. And so what happened was there was a huge back-off of medicine's attempt to put um, uh, alternative medicine away. And, when, and then what they found is that, that more people in 1994 went to alternative practitioners than they went to conventional doctors. And generally when you go to alternative practitioner, you're paying out of your pocket. So what happens is that the bean counter said, oh, my gosh, we have a culture that's being gravitating towards alternative medicine, and they're paying out of their pocket. Oh, my gosh. So we had that emotion. So what's happened is there's been a big kind of a knee-jerk back away from the system, and in doing so, some of these other things started to move forward, and then with technology and some science involved, there's been some very powerful things that have happened. So uh, the photon genie is a brainchild of a rocket scientist that helped build some of our smart bombs and our diagnostic equipment on our um, satellites and our warcraft that we've developed. And at one time, he had a 1,000 engineers under him and anything that was developed for for the war room he actually would sign off and if his name wasn't signed off general dynamics is who he worked for general dynamics would not make it whatever it was so he was one of the most powerful people in the war scene for diagnostic smart bombs you know smart bomb i uh, i met with dr surratt he's um, uh, marriott he is a uh, German, and he was part of the uh, Canadian task force of building smart bombs. And smart bombs are smart if they hit where they're supposed to go, but if it hits and runs into a vortex or an energy field that takes it off course just for a second, they'll end up someplace else. Well, what Skilling did is help design smart bombs that really went to their target and didn't go off track. We had we had a few years where everything was going off track. It had to do with this new grid of electromagnetic fields that are created by our cell phones and towers as well as just vortexes and things that Earth does anyway. But to get through that, you had to create better digital technology. You had to create better ability to do sonar and make it happen so that the smart bomb really did end up where it was supposed to rather than in your neighbor's backyard. Um, Skilling was, was committed to doing all these things right. So what happened, as the romance goes, is that Ed was at a Bible study, church, something. Somebody brought a box. The box was an old-school uh, rifle uh, machine. 
And when they presented it to him, they wanted to know if he knew how to run it because they heard that he was an engineer. They didn't know what he was. They just heard that, oh, yeah, Ed, he's an engineer. Um, we, we tend to, in our introductions and knowing people, you know, Dr. Davis, oh, yeah, he's an alternative doctor, but they don't know who I am and what I do. They just, that's my brand, that's my brand right? So they did that with Ed. And Ed took the box, and he looked at the folks and said, I will take this to my lab. Well, they didn't know what that meant. Well, he took it down to General Dynamics, the big lab, <laughs> and tested it for everything that they potentially could test it for and thought, well, this thing really doesn't work so well, and it really isn't going to do what they want it to do. Well, he built them something that would work after he did some due diligence and research on Dr. Rice's work. And when he built it, mm. he gave it to him and said, I hope this helps. And he says, the other one was too complicated, dials and things. Here's just a switch. Turn the switch on. So they did. And this gal had a catastrophic terminal cancer, and she had been given the death sentence by a conventional doctor. And the rumor has it 18 days later she was well. So. The two doctors that were in the room at the time that this device made the exchange, and they were paying attention and they knew that she was terminally ill, two doctors that were in this uh, Bible study, if you will, um, came to Ed a couple of months later. Now, it's interesting, you know, if it was me, I would have been there like that next day. Um, Really? They took a while. They had to think about it. I don't know. Maybe she just had a miracle. And so, anyway, so they come to him and want to know what he did, how he did what he did, what was going on, and they recruited him to make them one. And they did. Uh, and they used them quietly and began to see the fascination in that. And as they shared that with their colleagues, so like all doctors, we have our big meeting groups, we have our uh, you know our annual, semi-annual, quarterly meeting groups, and then we have the group that we kind of hang with and run with. So like for me, after all these years, and about eight guys and gals that are, are part of my inner circle, if you will, of just thinking and asking questions and challenging and trying to see what's new and snooping around on things. And so anyway, these couple of docs shared it with their couple of docs and shared it with a couple of docs, and eventually I got somehow somebody talked to me about it, and so in 1994 I bought my first instrument. And that first instrument at that time was called a photon sound beam. And the photon sound beam had all kinds of romance and uh, activities, and it was basically just the early portion of the Rife technology. Um, and Rife, basically, what he did in his laboratory, you can go on the line and, and get his whole story, but very carefully what he did is that in the world of radionics and in the world of covalent bonds, this is physics, is that everything in the universe is held together by a certain vibrational frequency. And if you hit it with that vibrational frequency, and you turn up the volume, it will become so excited it will explode. So the illustration is is Ella Fitzgerald. Ella Fitzgerald, when she sings that high C note, the crystal will burst. Glass and plastic won't. The crystal will. So if you want to burst all the crystal in your house, you have Ella come over for dinner and have her sing that high C note, and everything will shatter. That was a Memorex commercial that, that hit back in the 60s, 70s. And it was a big deal. So what Memorex did is they duplicated, in other words, they digitally duplicated her voice. She sang and they got recorded. They let her go home. They turned the speakers on and started bursting crystal. So the issue was it wasn't magic that Ella was able to do. It was a matter of a vibration that she could generate. So, right. So Dr. Davis, we're, we're running uh, short on time yeah. here, and I hate to interrupt you. I think there's a little static on the line as well. Um, <laughs> oh, sorry. 
Yeah, not. I don't think it's your fault, but uh, yeah. So we we need to wrap it up here. But okay. you had a, a wonderful explanation of how this how uh, frequencies can really help heal the body. So maybe just a few more minutes. Sure. Real quick, I'll wrap it up. The photon genie is basically was started in 1994. It began from Rife's original technology, and that is breaking covalent bonds. So strep dies at, at 780 hertz, and staph dies at dies at 880. Yeast fungus moles die at 465. Uh, viruses at 1550, 1580, and higher up. So viruses are higher vibrations. Uh, yeast fungus moles are lower vibrations, and bacteria forms in the middle. The key is, if you don't hit it with the exact uh, frequency, they don't die. So mm. just like if you don't hit that frequency on crystal, it won't burst. So what Rife did painstakingly ah. is that he figured out the resonant frequency for every organism that was lethal to humans. So... What happened was is that this device was built on that technology. But then the issue was is that is it going to be electrical or through photons of, of light? And the, in the, what Ed discovered is, and so did Rife, Rife found that electricity didn't work so well. The body fights electricity, hates it. So if you run it through photons of light, like sunshine, the body loves it, opens up to it. So if you open up to it, and bugs and critters and diseases hide in nooks and crannies of the body, so you got to get to open up. So in that is that the photon genie is basically, there's two wands, about 10 inches long, and each wand is a different color, and each wand has a different gas in it. The noble gases on your periodic chart on the far right, and each one has some romantic, mystical qualities to it. But what happens is when you ignite them like a fluorescent light bulb, what happens, it emits a certain photon and a certain charge. And you can actually put information on that photon, and it can be carried to wherever it needs to go. So what happens is that with a simple application of holding on or having the light bulbs touch you, they don't have to touch you, but we find that if it actually is touching you, you get a better uh, clinical effect, a quicker clinical effect than if you just have it laying next to you or nearby and then what you have is that there's two little boxes. And those two little boxes uh, have the um, Lukowski. Lukowski had a multi-wave oscillator. And what that was all about, and then what he figured out, is that if you run the Schumann's frequency, which is the vibrational energy from the earth and sun, and you run them together, what happens is healing happens because what it does is it balances like a tuning fork. It balances and harmonizes the core of the human's electrical system. And if we can take the chaos out and put harmony in, what will happen is healing is accelerated. And then what you have is that you've got uh, Valerie Hunt's work on the frequency related to regeneration of cells. In other words, when you look at a cell that's damaged and it's going to then uh, go through mitosis and create two uh, damaged cells, keep making damaged cells, the question is how does healing ever happen? That's the biggest mystery in the whole world. How does healing happen when something's been damaged? How does a flat uh, flat tire in your car, how does it get pumped up and get new tread on it? It doesn't. But our body can mm-hmm. do that. So you go, how does that happen? Well, now we figured out the frequency that the brain uses to make things turn on stem cells and do repair and how to activate the DNA and the chromosome be- behavior to be able to get healing going on. It's like, Really? And every organ system resonates at a different frequency. That goes all the way back to, you know, in, in utero where the uh, the sperm and egg come together 
and they make the new you, totally different, similar but different, but it's got different DNA and the chromosome match and all that. So what happens is that that cell begins to go through uh, replication. Well, within about 72 hours, you've got millions of cells that are exactly the same. So the question I've always asked my science friends, where do the eyeballs come from? Where did the liver come from? Mm-hmm. If every single cell is exactly the same and you're going to carry out this biology experiment, and every time a cell replicates, it's going to replicate exactly the same thing, where do the eyeballs come from? And they don't know. Well, the eyeballs run at a totally different frequency than your heart. runs on a totally different frequency than your liver. runs on a totally different frequency than your colon or bones. So in that, the resonant frequencies, if they're amp, the areas that are traumatized, they will begin to have stem cells wake up and things will heal. And that's what Dr. Hunt figured out. Now, Abrams, he was another guy, and Abrams was a medical doctor in Los Angeles. And what he did is he discovered a way, and we call it a squeak box because it would squeak over areas of energetic vibration that were in trouble. And he figured out a way to neutralize that by changing the dials and the frequencies. Well, we have computers now in this box that help kind of resonate that and balance it. So it's kind of like you're going, when you're using the photon gene, you're getting the rife technology sweeping from zero to a million every three seconds. And what it's doing is just sweeping like sonar, and it's trying to kill all the bad guys, all the biological terrorists. And then what you have mm-hmm. is that you have uh, Lukowski's, which is, tuning the body energetically, bringing the body into balance and grounding the body. Then what you have is frequencies stimulating stem cells to repair and cells to repair, go into a healing mode. And then what you have um, is Abrams' work of taking energetic chaos in certain zones of the body and taking the chaos out. So this little device is seven different technologies of seven different scientists that in their brilliance, came up with some very spectacular things. And what we have is a simple device box, and this is always the fun part. It's like you got two switches. You turn one on, turns on the little boxes that blink, and then you got another one that kind of makes the, the red and white one buzz. <laughs> All of my patients go, uh, what am I supposed to do? I said, just hold them. How long? Uh, 30 minutes. Uh, and now what? Uh, we're done. And so how am I supposed to feel? Um, in the areas of inflammation, it will kick up inflammation because healing cannot happen without inflammation. So you may get a little more soreness over the next few hours to a couple of days. But the more we do this, the quicker we'll get you through the healing process. So a couple of things. You asked me, and we'll close this down with this. Uh, if you take the wands and you have a little one that's broken their arm, how long does it take for a broken arm to heal? Six weeks. Yeah. If you put these wands on them, it'll heal in five to six days. I have wow. evidence of that. I have evidence of that. A sixty-six-year-old, multiple fractures of her wrist because she fell off a ladder. In six days, the bones are healed. When they went back for a follow-up, I told her, "You go back to your orthopedist. You get an X-ray of that, and you see where we're at." And they did. And he kept staring at them, and he kept staring at them. <laughs> and he finally turned to look to her and said, "You had a miracle." And she smiled and said, oh, well, thank you. And he goes, really? You did? And she said, why? He said, it's already healed. And they're not supposed to heal for another four or five weeks. And as you're aging... So it would be helpful post-surgically as well. It is the most dramatic thing for aches and pains. I have an 82-year-old sprained her knee. It was two times the normal size of her other knee. 
She was convinced she was going to have knee replacement surgery. I put the wands on both sides of the knee, wrapped it up there. We, had her, we saw her for three days, and she was out there uh, shopping with her daughters uh, on the fourth day. No swelling, pain's gone. Tendinitis in the okay. elbow, golfer's tendinitis. Put the wands on either side, wrap it up, 30 minutes to 40 minutes per session. In three days, tendinitis completely gone. Now, how long does tendinitis take to get, get to go away? For most people, it's well, a Well, yeah, a while. <laughs> okay. So Bumps are you doing bumps. this every day with people? Oh, we got them cooking all the time. What I try to do with them is that, again, healing creates a shift in the body. Detoxing creates a shift in the body. So I always say if you feel the, the common phenomenon we see with people, they lose energy. In other words, they go, oh, man, I did that therapy, and they just wanted to sleep all night. And they have other folks that uh, the following day they just say, I'm tired. And I say, you're healing. Mm-hmm. That's how the body puts you down so they can put the energy and focus on healing you. But as soon as you mm-hmm. feel strong enough again, come back and see me. And they do. And so sometimes, you know, if you're a fibromyalgia patient and you've been laying around in bed whining, waiting for a miracle to happen, okay, it may take me three or four days to get you to the point where you actually think that something's happening, okay? But the beauty is, is that when I do all of my diagnostic work, all of those wild dormant viruses that woke up, the Epstein-Barr, the cytomegaly, human herpes, and all that stuff, they begin to disappear. So the beauty is, is that for chronically ill people, it took them a long time of mismanagement to get to where they're at. And, of course, good helpful drugs that sabotage the immune system. What you got to do is you're going to bring it. So in lymphatic work, the genie causes the lymphatic system to move at 100 times its normal speed. So wow. when I give I give patients this, this emotion or notion, uh, and that is your lymphatics are sluggish. That is like the, the, the little watery, slippery, slimy part of your body is turned to jello. And we got to get it back to that slippery, slimy. It's, it's, like, it's like taking the jello in your refrigerator that wiggles, stick it in your microwave and nuke it for a minute, and it goes back to water that's colored water. Right? It's protein mix, but it's a color slippy, slimy, watery thing. And they go, yeah. And I go, okay, when you get a head cold, it gets real watery at first, and then it gets all thickened up, and then it turns different colors, and you have all kinds of trouble. You're going to the doctor feel good, and they're going to give you some kind of antihistamine and a antibiotic to clear you out, right? And they go, yeah. And I said, okay, so what if we could get your lymphatics to move much quicker, faster, and we could take all that sludgy stuff that's turning into jello and then create it to go back to a liquid form so you can clear it? faster, quicker. Well, that makes sense. So anybody who has any edema in their extremities, they notice that the edema leaves and avoiding, they go, oh, my gosh, I'm, I'm spending more time at the toilet because I have to go to the bathroom. But, yeah, your fluids are leaving. <laughs> so Great. for me it's fun because we're watching healing happen very, very quickly because healing is generally very, very slow. So... This particular device generates ozone. I have patients that have gone to deep deep chamber ozone therapies to get well because they had a terrible disease or they had a gangrene or whatever. This allows your body to make ozone from your red blood cells internally. You actually smell the ozone coming off of you. And it's not oh, yeah. and, the okay, and the body's okay with it because it's making it. Well, ozone will kill every virus, bacteria, yeast, fungus, mold if it's there long enough. That's an old-fashioned, old-school. That's why in hospitals they use hydrogen peroxide. It's a, it's a hybrid ozone. It's not a stable ozone. 
but just more oxygen to the tissue causes healing. There's all kinds of books that have been, that have been written just on the benefits of oxygen therapy. Well, this device is providing you not only with photons of light, sunshine, it's getting all the healing benefits of sunshine, photons of light, without the negative UV. So you're getting all the healing energies as if you're laying around out in the sun. Secondly, oh, good, because I'm not outside a lot. There you go. <laughs> and then what happens, it's going to stimulate DNA, RNA activation for healing. So we want healing to happen quicker, so it's going to happen quicker. We're going to get the ozone in the tissues, which is going to allow the microbes to go, but it raises your energy because everybody knows you watch those fat football players run up down the sideline, they stick an oxygen mask on their face after they've run 50 yards so they can breathe better, right? And then they go back out and play football. So the point is we know in every in every short bus ambulance that's got somebody, they stick an oxygen mask on them because we know that if, you got, if we flood the body with oxygen, you'll do better, whatever's going wrong. So we take that. Oh, Dr. Technology. B, we're... We're at, we're at the end of our time. time. We're going to get cut off any minute now. <laughs> but, boy, this has been really fun, and uh, I definitely have some follow-up questions for you, which is okay if I email you, and then oh, yeah, uh, we can figure out some of those uh, specific questions. But, uh, wow, what a, what a great summary of what the device does. Awesome. Thank